Okay. Bradley, where do we go from here? To the championship at this rate. <laughs> when Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slap, slap, slap. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. <laughs> Let's just see how this goes. Welcome back to the Different Knock Podcast with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend. Bradley Adams, Bramley Apples, Brandon Autumns, Drabley Bradums. Do you want some good news, Brad? Yes, please. It literally literally cannot get any worse it it can't i mean it, it can no but brad we're bottom of the league yeah but we can be confirmed to be relegated alex it can quite literally get worse welcome back to the different Not podcast welcome back to the did we accidentally watch norwich on the weekend podcast <laughs> welcome back to the uh see podcast uh it is funny that the, the most mental transfer window of all time has happened and we've spent 130 million on backups. Like, <laughs> people yeah. are bringing in Ronaldo and Lukaku. <laughs> <laughs> we brought in Nuno Tavares, Aaron Ramsdale. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, City uh City are thinking we can afford to lose Raheem Sterling here. <laughs> and we're thinking we can't afford to lose Sad Kalasanaj at this point. <laughs> We've got to laugh. We gotta laugh. Welcome back to the Different Not Podcast, listeners. Um we hope you're well. Uh thank you for clicking on the podcast. We do appreciate it. We appreciate you being here. Uh yeah, strap thanks, in. Guys. This is going to be go. a it's going to be a fun podcast. It's going to be a fun podcast. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say a couple of things, get a couple of things out of the way, and then and then okay. I'll throw over to you, Brad. Do you remember? I say that and immediately ask you a question. Do you remember the Liverpool game 2013-14 where we lost five one? Uh, yes, I do because I was in uh, France at the time with an ex girlfriend. Right, we don't need your life story, and- Brad. Uh, no, no, no. And I specifically, and this is the thing, this is the thing. This is how much Arsenal have ruined my life at points. I specific, we were on holiday with her, her mum and my mum. And I specifically said, I want to go and watch the Arsenal match at this bar. Um, it's only an hour and a half. Like we're going to do that and then we'll do other shit, right? We lost 5-1 that day. That ruined like pff, a whole holiday. And since then, they've been pretty ruined your much. Life. So since that game, I can't think of another day. Maybe I, I can't remember when the the thousandth game thousandth game was uh, under Wenger. You mean the six nil? The six nil. I think those three results are maybe the most hopeless I've ever felt as an Arsenal fan. And I would say I think this five nil um, is probably the most hopeless watching a game. And now the, the analysis will come, we can talk about it, but I'm talking, I'm discussing the emotions I felt during the game about where the club is and where we're going. I think it's the most hopeless I felt as an Arsenal fan. And I have to say that. Yeah. So the the next thing, there's a moment around the 83rd minute 
where Mohamed El Neni comes forward with the <laughs> Mohamed El Neni. <laughs> Sorry, he's um, we love him on this podcast, but you know, I, uh, do you know what? I love him as a human being, but as a footballer, he leaves a lot to be desired. Wonderful human being. Uh, he comes forward wonderful with the man. comes forward with the ball, and Kieran Tierney's making a run down the side. And basically, he delays and delays and delays. And because he doesn't have a left foot, he can't find him. And you watch Tierney running. There's an opportunity. You watch it and you go, pass the ball, 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 pass the ball. Opportunity ends. And we are, we are where we are. Now, that tiny bit of play just was the perfect microcosm. The inability to make informed, quick proactive decisions the inability he doesn't have a left foot the inability to do so because of years of poor planning someone else in that position a better footballer finds Kieran Tierney and he's in Mm -hmm. Kieran Tierney representing everything that's good about Arsenal running forward not being supported and running off into the distance to City or wherever he ends Mm -hmm. up in two seasons time it was just the most perfect microcosm of where we are and i and we will get into this and and please let me finish the sentence i promise i'll get to a thing that you you probably agree with there is so much context there's so much context there's so many caveats there's there's there are things that we should discuss and we will discuss but let's remember at the top of the pod we are arsenal football club and we're bottom of the league with zero points from three games with nine goals conceded. Something has to change. Now, I think this is the end of something. It's the end of something. I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's the end of the uh, certain players' cycles. I don't know whether it's the end of Edu. I don't know if it's the end of the Cronkies. I don't know if it's the end of Arteta. You can make a case for all of them coming to an, come to an end of yeah. the time, time at Arsenal. But the sense I got when we were sitting in that low block for half an hour at the end of that game was... This is the end of something. I don't know what it is. Um, and that's not really, it's a bit of a kind of... Um, Fence it or... But it's, well, it's a difficult question to answer. Like, I it, see why you're it's, saying it's the end of something because I think one thing we have to understand as fans, and sorry to kind of jump in on your points, is uh, we have to be realistic. And I, I, we have conversations about this all the time. We're not getting the Cronkies out unless the Cronkies want to sell or unless the Cronkies are put in a financial situation where they have to sell. Uh, we can't bin 11. We can't, we've got a 25 man squad. We can't we bin try, 25 We men. could try. We've tried. We, we, no, but we have tried and no one wants to buy them because, you know, this market, the only deals you're seeing get done are the deals for like, unbelievably good players and then middling players like Torreira, Elneny, like all of that kind of, Xhaka, you're not going to get the money that you want for, for them. Um, so we can't, we're not going to be able to revolutionize the squad in, in one window. There are two things we can currently change. That is the manager and that is the technical director. We can change the playing staff a little bit if the Cronkies want to pump a little bit more money in. And I think that's why we have to from my point of view, I understand it's the end of something, but we have to look at what this realistically can be the end of and what yeah, this feel, can end it. for us. No, that's a, that's a really fair comment. And it's, it's a bit of a, the thing I was going to say is it, it's a bit of a kind of fugazi, whatever the phrase is, it's a bit of a, what, what does that mean? But it, it was a bit of a feeling, but 
that's mm. what it is. That's what, what football is. It's based on emotions and feelings. That's why we love it. And I just felt there was, we were coming to the end. I, I, yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, you know, where, where are you? <laughs> like, I mean, one, th- there's a couple, there's a couple of things I kind of want to say. Um, I understand the caveats that are going around, but I think people are caveating too much. <clears throat> Everyone keeps saying we have like six, seven or eight players out. I think Pep said it. It's just not true. It's just not true. It's, it's well, As in it, first it team tr- players. It's, first team it's players. It's not true. First team players, it's not true. You know, if you're looking at three, the, the, there are only probably three players that we've currently got out that would guaranteed start in our first team. And that is Gabriel, Party, and Ben White. Pe- even Pepe being out. With Arteta, he's not a guarantee that he'll start, especially not in a game like City. So you're looking at those three players. Mikel has had enough time with these, this squad so that losing three players from the first 11 should not turn us into... And, I, I you know, Sam Butters absolutely made me die by tweeting me the, the league table when I tweeted this. But it shouldn't turn us into Norwich. It shouldn't turn us into West it Brom. It, and, it, and I mean, it absolutely has. Losing three players from our starting 11 has turned us into a team that basically performs as relegation fodder. And that's not good enough. It's really not good enough. And a better manager would get more out of these players wouldn't be much more, but it would still be more. Um, and I'm getting bored a little, and I'd love to get your point of view on this, about the idea of these games are throwaway games. Because they are, but there's a lot to learn and gain from a defeat. Going out there and battling for 90 minutes and losing 1-0 or 2-0 to two moments of brilliance from City or Chelsea, who are, you know depending on what you think about them, their squads, their abilities, some of the best teams in the world, Europe, you know, whatever. We got rolled over like we deserve where we where we are right now. We, des- we are deservedly bottom of the league because we got rolled over by both City and Chelsea in the way that a team the bottom of the league would be. So I understand the idea that these are we're probably going to lose games anyway. But there is a it's difference between losing a game and just being annihilated. Uh, Chelsea were 2-0 up within however many, like 35 minutes, and then just did nothing for the rest of the game, really. Mm. They just sat back. They didn't get out of second gear. They didn't want to tie themselves out. They knew they had Liverpool next week. They knew we weren't going to do anything about it and do anything to them. And it was the same with with City at some points. You know, you've got Edison just basically laughing at the Arsenal forwards and their press when he's like, "Well, is no one going to actually press me? I've just got the balls at my the ball at my feet." Like it, it did feel like they had balls. They had more balls than us, did. but it did feel like yeah. they had two on the pitch at some points. Um, <laughs> and I think now again, you know, we we always have the conversation about you know, oh, it's the information you have at the time to. We, we're complaining about not having ball-playing centre-backs or quick centre-backs, and we're having to play Sayed Kalazanak as a left-sided centre-back, and we've got a centre-back out in France. And it, it's past the point now where I think it's it's no longer relevant. I don't think you can give him the excuse of, oh, it's about the information that we had at the time. We know he's a hot prospect. We know he's likely to make a mistake or two. 
but we're playing a left back who can't even play as a left back, as a centre back against the champions of England. And we have a centre back bossing games in France. Well, it, it's 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 no longer for me. I, I feel like a manager can get a lot of things wrong in one area, and you go, you can almost uh, do the the kind of mental juggling of, oh, okay, you know. So Mikel's talent ID isn't great, but his tactics, his coaching, and what he gets out of players is phenomenal. He's got neither at the moment. He's not getting enough out of the players and he keeps making decisions around the club that hurt us when it comes to playing stuff. And I think I, I texted this to you. I think I was completely wrong about Granite Xhaka and this may seem a bit reactionary, but after looking at the deals that have been done in the market since, we were, of course, going to get nowhere near the money for Granite Xhaka. But I shouldn't... Hindsight's obviously twenty twenty. but I shouldn't know that because I'm not an expert who works in football and has these types of conversations. The people who do have those conversations and are paid to do this, like Mikel, like Edu and all of that team, should have known that that is the most that we're going to get for Xhaka and we should move forward. There is an article that you've sent me and I've seen float around Twitter from 2017 about the fact he can't tackle. Yeah, listen, mate, I, I, I'm not going to go back on what I said, for example, about the Emmy situation. You have to, that's, that's a situation where I would apply the, the frame of let's look at the information they had at the time. I'm not going to weigh in on the Saliba thing. I, 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 I just think... We have a situation, and as you said, where Sered Kolasinac is playing left centre-back against the champions of England. Where has that started? Okay, Kolasinac has got to take some blame. Arteta has got to take some blame. The fact he's been around at the club and the various executives that, that let that happen and gave him the wages, etc., etc., etc. There's all of these things. But it comes down to what do we as a club, and that means the fans, the manager, the players, think is good enough. What do we think is good enough? And a lot of the time, and I said this in an instant reaction video I did, which I'm going to start doing, hashtag clang, hashtag plug, on the Different Not YouTube channel. Head to our YouTube. Where we say, and you, you said it just then, uh, we, we, we discuss things as being good enough or the quality or whatever. And when we, we talk mm. about quality in, in football a lot. My question is, where, what's the benchmark what are we saying? What What do you mean by good enough? Do you mean good enough to beat Man City? Do you mean good enough to beat Scunthorpe? Do you mean good enough to be mid mid table? And if we're looking at the the lineup that started, and let's start to talk about the game specifically, if we're looking mm-hmm. at the lineup that started yesterday, Callum Chambers, lovely guy, never going to make it at the absolute top level. Said Kalasinac got relegated last last season with Bundesliga, obviously in the Bundesliga. Listen, obviously in the not, worst. I think I'm pretty sure they have him, the record but, for the worst Bundesliga season ever. And and I think they, I don't know if it was him or Mustafi that was voted like the worst signing of the season because of it or something stupid like that. Cedric starting right back for a mid-table team in Southampton and Rob Holding in you know Newcastle were after him. These are players. And perfect fifth choice. He's Rob Holding is a perfect fifth choice centre back. Not well. Well, he's a perfect first choice for a team that is at mid-table. Yeah. This is the thing. It's it's like, yeah. where where do you want to be? And if you look at that, and you know, that's that's a single element and that's a part of why our performance yesterday was so poor. But when you look at that lineup, we have to ha- take a long, hard look at ourselves and decide what mm-hmm. is good enough. What is good enough? And what do we mean by good enough? And what do we mean by 
by that because are we going by the standards of, of a mid-table club well yeah yeah so and so you know we sit there in off seasons brad and you know I, I myself and i have to say you know a bit of responsibility for this myself i say yeah you know he's sort of fine you know he's sort of good enough what do i mean by good enough do i mean good enough to challenge against city maybe that's not the level we should be aiming for right now but should he be starting a game for arsenal say a Kalasinac, cedric no. suarez in this situation no 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 he should have been gone no, years ago no. so it's, I, it's frustrating it's, it makes it makes decisions that Edu has made even more baffling. What did Cedric? What was what was Cedric doing to get himself a four-year deal at this club? At did he train well? Is he a nice person? Because he's not a good footballer. Does he bring baked goods to the training ground? I mean, what is it? He's not a good footballer. <laughs> well, he wasn't good As yesterday, in, mate. Again, Should we read his stats? Zero tackles, zero successful dribbles, zero ground jewels won, zero aerial jewels won, zero key passes, zero crosses, zero accurate long balls, an error leading to a goal and 44% pass completion. That is not good enough. And at Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester United, maybe not, but I would say if that happens a couple of times like it has, they don't play for that club again. And that's the level. We have to start acting like a big club. And everywhere I look at this club, everywhere I look, on the pitch, off the pitch, at the stadium, at the owners, there is an acceptance of mediocrity, which which leaves us here. Eight of that starting 11 were at Arsenal when Arsene Wenger left. Now, that's not excuse. That's context. And what does that context tell us? What does that fact tell us? It tells us that the squad... Um, change is not not good enough and not quick enough it tells us that the the standard that we were is basically that you know as every team has got better as united have added fernandez and sancho and varan and and ronaldo as as you know chelsea have added lukaku and havertz and whatever we have remained the same we have stagnated and it's acceptance of mediocrity these things that come out and you know uh, sort of um and I and I use them as well, 100%. Like these sort of, you know, well, we've only got three players, uh, you know, with the, you know, three key players are out. Well, I get that. But let's look at that from another sense. Three key players and we play like that. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that's, you know, that's not acceptable. That, that shouldn't be acceptable at Arsenal Football Club. It's about the standards and the values that we accept and the we, that we, that we think are, think are acceptable. Yes, of course, you know, and, and I've I've sat here before and I, I'm, I'm still saying I don't want Arteta to go until he's had that run of games. You know, Spurs game, I'm, I'm looking at it and thinking, you know, that's that that feels like the definer at the moment. But oh, yeah, but but we have to look at these these sort of these caveats and, and which I use and they are relevant. They can be looked at in both ways. But to look at with look at the transfer one in the other way, what was. Wenger's last season was 2018, wasn't it? Finished 2018. Yeah. So for the 2018-19 season, we bought in Lucas Torreira, Bern Leno, Papas Thothopoulos, Gwenduzi, uh, and Lick Steiner. Five players. 19-20, we bought in... Um, we bought in Pepe, Saliba, Tierney, Luis, Mari, Martinelli, Suarez. So you're talking about 12 players there. 2020-2021 season, we brought in Party, Gabriel, Erdegaard, Willian. So you're talking about up to what? 16 players now. And then this season, so far, we've brought in Ben White, Ramsdale, Laconga, Tavares. And that's that's it, I think. And obviously, Erdegaard on a permanent. But you're talking about having... We say you know, eight of the 11 are Wenger's. But 
we've signed 15 players since then. Mm. Now, a lot of those players weren't good enough and aren't good enough. Lucas Torreira could have done a job yesterday in our midfield. Um, you know, Gwenduzi yesterday could have done a job in our midfield. Lots of players that we are shipping out because of one manager's totalitarianism could have done a job yesterday in that squad. You cannot tell me that William Saliba would have not been a better fit at left centre-back, his one of his most natural positions, than Sayad Kalazanak. Uh, Brad, I, comp- I completely it's agree. It's nonsensical. I completely agree, and and, and that's a and that's a uh, perspective to look at it from Arteta's. You know w- what Arteta's decision making is like, and hundred percent. The point I was making before, though, and and the one that I want to make is that there is a an acceptance of mediocrity, and every caveat that we have, every little, well, these players weren't available. Well, this window was this. Well, that. Da, 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 da. Well, you know, we've we haven't you know, we, we haven't, but we only spent on, you know, project youth and it's going to take time. You can look at these things from every, every angle that those, those don't, those don't just work one way. Even the idea of project yeah. youth, well, what does that tell us? That tells us that top players don't want to join us. You know what I mean? And, and, and you can look at all that. We're from, not willing to spend the money to sign top players because exactly. there are top players like Eve Basuma, who has had his pants down for Arsenal since the beginning of the summer. Um, Husama Alwa, who also has been itching for a move to North London, both of which would have would improve our central mid- <laughs> <laughs> both of which would improve our central midfield yeah. options. You know, there there are quality players, but we're just not signing them. Yeah, and, and, and also, spending, mate- and, the, and now the the further we go into this, and the more we look at it, how can we expect to progress when we're spending a hundred and forty million on backups when our first eleven? Finished eighth. Yeah. And, and and another caveat that's often thrown out is, well, you know, we haven't got the spending power of, of City or Chelsea. No, we don't. But I watched Wolves versus Man United earlier on. Wolves should have won. Yeah. Wolves should have won. They've got a yeah. they've got a simple plan. They've got, you know, relationships with top agents. That's the way they do it. And that's not the way I choose to do it. But they, they get top quality players in. They had a clear attacking style within three games. Bruno Lage has got them playing. Lage Lage has got them playing. And that's picking out one game. That's picking out one incident. But don't give me this, you know, yes, we we probably won't compete in that, in that sense. But we can try on the pitch and let's get to the pitch because that's the that's the the, yeah. the thing that's turned me is how pathetic our yeah. style of play is yeah yeah and 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 pathetic and you know that mm-hmm. last you know i don't know what you do at, at, at a man down um against city i really don't um taking off a bam 10 men behind the ball who, 10 men behind the ball and you sit there and you don't concede another goal well I'm I'm going to disagree with you there because I think I think Man City are maybe the best in the world. There's a clip of Phil Neville talking about how they how they play against the low block. They are fantastic, chipping those balls in, winning those second balls, moving it around quickly, adapting their shape constantly. The the player rotation. We should we we shouldn't have been a man down, but that's not an excuse. But for example, I mean, we should have. It's a dangerous challenge. Uh, sorry, yeah, no, we should have been a man down, as in we shouldn't have been a man down, i.e. Xhaka shouldn't have been such an idiot. Oh, oh. Um, I, get what you mean. I get what you mean. I thought yeah, you said it, wasn't yeah, it was a red card. It was a red. Ooh. But that, we, the, the reason I'm, I'm mentioning this is because 
It's the apathy of taking off Aubameyang, the only player who's going to run and be a bit of an outball. And if we win that ball back, it's basically accepting that they're going to sit on us. And we brought, we brought Lacazette on to just shuffle across. Aubameyang is the only person who could possibly be an outball in that situation. And, you know, I, um, there's a great question that uh, I think it was Elliot asked on, um, on the Austin Vision podcast, which uh, is similar to sort of your, your sort of what do we learn from this? I don't understand, and getting, let's be specific about the lineup now. I don't understand what that lineup was meant to represent. I don't understand what we were trying to do. I really don't. I don't. I don't get it. And then I watched us, and I see a team who, who are going to sit in, in in defend. And the first five minutes, there was some signs of life, and I thought, right, fantastic. Okay, what we're we doing? We're pressing high. When they play the ball through us, which they are going to, Jack is stepping out and hitting them early. Fantastic. We're going to let the players get back and get into shape. Um, Cedric was stepping out, hitting them early. Fantastic. Or on the other side, Tierney was stepping out, hit them early. Once they scored the goal, that went completely, completely. And we lost complete confidence in ourselves. We knew this was going to be hard. What, what coach sends a team out there unprepared that we might concede early? And what set of players allows things to capitulate that badly when you've conceded early? And, you know, looking at the first goal, it's it's Chambers. He gets out jumped. There's nothing Arteta can do about that. Chambers gets out jumped. It's not good enough and he shouldn't score, right? But then after that, the the sh- it was like it was like it was like we expected to beat them. It's like, what do you think? What do you think we need to do here? We need to get tight in the duels we need to do what we were doing early on and hit them hit them fast and hit them quick we need to get aggressive with them we need to get at them and stop them playing their playing their game watch the games like Tottenham hit them on the counter-attack we know we're not going to play around them it was bizarre we're not we're not setting up to beat teams there's no point playing out of the back with a keeper that can't play out from the back and players that can't play out from the back as if you are going to try and beat this team or dominate this team and that's exactly why I think Mikel is pretty much deluded and in over his head, massively in over his head. You have to be some sort of idiot to look at what is currently the best manager in the world and the best team in the country, if not one of the best teams in the world, and think, oh yeah, we'll knock it past them and we'll yeah. win this game. It's mental. And set up like that. It's it, mental. It, 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 it's, it is mental. And that I... I, I I've watched that first goal back a few times. Mikel is at fault for some of that because we have conceded that goal to City three times. And there has to come a point where you have to say to your players, this is a, this is a route that they take. You have to do this. And one, th- uh, he should never get to the head because Leno should come out and claim the cross. It's so close to Leno. Ramsdale it's would. ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous that he didn't challenge for it, right? But the fact that he hasn't challenged for it before and the manager hasn't gone to him and said, or the goalkeeping coach hasn't gone to him and said, look, mate, you need to fucking challenge for these balls. Because even if you don't win it and they knock you on the floor, you might win a free kick. Yeah. Uh, and I there's no, agree. there's no, there's no logic. There's no pattern. And we, there is no style of play. There's barely mm. a style of play. When we get the ball, we don't look like we know what we're meant to do with the ball. I've got a screenshot of something that fucking somebody described it perfectly. And I just want to read it out. Where is it, you bastard? <laughs> I hope this is therapeutic so far, listeners. I'm, I'm certainly enjoying it. Um, oh, we haven't done our word of the game. While you're looking for that, I'll give you my word of the game. And it's out. 
because we were outmuscled, outplayed, outclassed, outmaneuvered, outspent, out, um, out, str- out strategized, and someone has to get out at some point. What goes first? Who goes out first? And that that's my word of the game because I think that sums it up perfectly. Uh, so my word of the game is um, just a long silence. <laughs> we're four, well, we three, four word of the games in to the season and yeah. we're at long silence. <laughs> we're at long silence. What was your screenshot? Um, Sam Dean on Twitter wrote this. Long-running problem of Mikel Arteta's Arsenal. It takes a lot of things to go right for them to score a goal, but one tiny thing to go wrong for them to concede. They rarely score out of nothing, but they concede out of nothing regularly. And then underneath, AFC James wrote, this is a really good way of looking at it. The system allows no room for error. It's too theoretical and lacks room for individual expression. And I think that's a, that is a perfect analogy of Arteta's tenure at Arsenal. It's not an analogy. The man is probably very, very clever, but there is a reason that theoretical physics is called theoretical because it's theory. It might not work in practice. No one fucking knows. We don't work it's in practice. same with Arteta's Arsenal. No, but it's the same as Arteta's Arsenal. He, If he had the best player in every position in the world he, and he put this theory into uh, this, this, this system and this theory into place, it might dominate, but it also might not. And it's not dominating now. We are regressing, actively regressing because... Whereas we were having a decent run against top teams last season, and that was a point, some was a light in the tunnel that got us through. We're now treating them as if they're throwaway games that we should allow ourselves to be embarrassed in. And that is everything to do with the way that Mikel Arteta has us playing and what we are currently seeing and expecting from that team. Uh, at risk of uh, seeing sort of blood spur out of your lovely roll neck there. Uh, I do want to add some, a couple of things which I I, I have I have some sympathy for. Right, John Stones is out for City, and they replace him with Imeric Laporte. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 quality of our squad and the quality of the squad turnover and squad churn has not been good enough, and that is not all on Arteta. That's what I will say. I also, it's partly on Arteta, but it's not all on Arteta, and we should remember I mean, that. he has, has he signed 13 players now? Yes, but the the, the problem is, uh, context, contextually, a lot of that is kind of, you know, if you look at Ramsdale, Sambi, Tavares, they're part of a kind of long-term project. Still a, a choice. Them, it's still a no, choice, no, 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 it's a choice, Brad, and it's the wrong... Yeah, it, and, so if and you, no, but if you give the context of, oh, but if we're signing this lot for a long-term project, that's a choice in itself to not improve your first 11 when you finish eighth. But that's... That's a choice. But I think I disagree because I think it's, we've, we've been pushed into that position by the lack of spending and by by where we have, we have to be. We're not going to be able to sign those top-level players at 26 years old and come in and make a difference straight away. We're just not going to be able to. We could sign one or two maybe slightly younger players who we have to pay out like Ben White or like an Erdegaard but we're just not going to get I those I disagree we're just not going to get entirely. those hang there, on, there, hang on. Are, me, there are players going let me, everywhere let me, let me finish the the those players are just not going to come to Arsenal they're just those come, who come in and, and change the game 
Virgil van Dijk style, they're just not coming in. So we have to look younger and we have to do a strategy, which I actually agree with if, if we have to work from this financial model, right? I don't agree with it if we have to work from a different financial model, but under this financial model, we do have to do that. So I have some sympathy in that sense because as much as you know, you can throw out he signed 13 players, actually, how many of those genuinely come in and raise the level? I would say Gabriel, Erdegaard and Party. Those are the three and two of them are out. So I have some sympathy there. But the, and and probably contextually again, you know, confidence-wise, we are completely low, but even that is a bit of a tenuous one because you're like, well, who's 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 made that happen? And with and with a setup like that, you can't you can't expect these players to be confident going out there, knowing mm-hmm. that they've got one central midfielder against Gundogan Rodri. <laughs> Rodri finished the game with 102 passes. Arsenal completed in the whole game 120. And that's the level, and that's the level, and, and we're not there. And so I have some sympathy. It's not much, but I do have some sympathy that we are ju- we, we were simply outclassed. And Of course, but even with those players, Alex, we, I, I, and, and, and this is exactly what I said about the Chelsea game. It's what I said about the way that we played against Brentford. I have no confidence that even with those three added players, we would be any better than we were yesterday. Because not only is it a personnel issue, it is a system issue and it is a coaching issue. Because, you know, you can make the excuse of, oh, it's not on the players if they're not jumping for balls or they're making individual errors. Every player that made a mistake yesterday has in their previous career, pretty much under Arteta or at Arsenal, had a similar moment. Kalazanak, Cedric... Uh, holding chambers all of those players we have said several times have been fucking muppets and cost us a goal uh, given the the opposition a high a high volume opportunity it's his choice to play them i would agree probably 80 percent yeah I would agree probably 80 percent just because i think there's a there's a squad churn element to it there's also a you know their senior professionals element they've got to take some responsibility but 80% of it I, I I do agree with um there's a the second goal um obviously Cedric tries to stop it it deflects the ball and it goes to Ferran I do think it's a foul in the build-up I I have to say oh yeah it is 100% um, but it doesn't matter because we'd still be slapped 4-0 anyway well, yeah, but you know, if we're going to judge it on results, then let, let's you know look at things that could have affected the the number on the scoreline, and that would have affected the number on the scoreline. Fair enough. Um, there's an Edison mistake. Uh, Smith Rowe nearly gets the ball in, and I think that was the kind of moment where I look at it and I go, "If that's up the other end, that's going in." <laughs> like it was, it was just not our day. Um, there was some some vague encouraging signs after the two 0 We were starting to win the ball here and there, and then the red happened. Um, and it's it's uh I've seen a lot of people talk about like the the Paul Pogba situation in the Wolves match. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Um Yeah. It's a it's a very different challenge. Xhaka I think ultimately where I stand on it is when you're not standing, haha, if you have two feet off the ground, you're always gonna put yourself in danger. It doesn't matter it and just one doesn't foot matter. studs up as well. It it doesn't matter what your where the where the ball is, where the player is, to be honest. If you're going to have two feet off the ground and jump in like that, 
and studs up. One, and studs if you, up. If even if you even if you go in and you haven't got two feet off the ground, studs up. You're you're liable for a red card because it's dangerous foul play. Let alone because to get two feet off the ground for a challenge, you have to be going in with some welly. You really do. Like you have to build up some momentum to to f- lift and throw your body towards a man, and to not only do that, but to go in studs up as well. If if the angle is slightly different and he makes more of a connection, he snaps his leg in into two pieces like clean. Like it's such a it's such a dangerous challenge. And you know, I think the argument you can make more about the Paul Pogba one is the fucking Burnley game. Have you seen some of the still images from the Burnley game where you've got somebody basically two feet off the floor karate kicking people and it's a yellow card or a talking to? No, no, I've not. Um, yeah, it's horrendous, I, I, mate. It's yeah. horrendous. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think talking about those kind of incidents and comparing them, we go, oh, this one, that one, whatever. I, I only, I didn't see them, so I'm not going to comment on them. But um, the the Jacker one, and it and it, it, it it's part of, and I'd love to at some point sort of come on to how we how we both see this thing playing out and what we think is the solution. I think our solutions, <laughs> your solution, might be clear. Um, but the uh, part of the solution that I will come to later on is around those senior players and what we do about them because someone like Granit Xhaka has been doing this type of thing since he joined the club I mean you met, you referenced mm-hmm. that thing earlier um, about the Burnley game you know there was the game was it against uh, the another game against Burnley um, last season or maybe the season before where he grabs yeah. his throat it's all, yeah, last it's, season. it's all of these and at some point we have to learn these senior players have to take responsibility I actually I tweeted out saying I wonder which of the senior players will come out and actually take responsibility of this. I bet none of them. And I realise how low standard this is, but I was like, oh, well done. Aubameyang's actually fronted up. Uh, I don't think he fronted up in the way I would have wanted him to. I think he was a bit... I I wish he was more kind of... um, I wish he seemed more angry. He just seems like resigned and defeated. But listen, that's a personality politics thing, whatever. But and the I senior- think that's also an indication of the of the situation, especially behind closed doors. Yeah, I don't think we're far away from Mikel completely losing the dressing room. I, I really don't. I because you're seeing them put his plan into effect, go one goal down and then abandon ship. Yeah. And, and that's part again, of, that's part and of again and again. And I, I just think we're about, we're about, we're, we're one loss away from like, he's lost the dressing room completely. I think I, I really think we're that close to it because if you look at the comments that he makes as well, like we have to talk among ourselves about, you know, to have some pride in this and that. And there's just, I don't think, we're not far away from that. We're not far away from this all collapsing, really. But part of that is the senior players. And 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 you look around at Manchester United, you look around at Liverpool, you look around at, at, at City. You know, take Harvey Elliott coming to that game against Chelsea. That's a big it's a big step for a, what is he, 17, 18-year-old. But he looks to his left and he's got Fabinho and Jordan Henderson. He looks up front and he's got Mane, Salah and, and Firmino Ojoto ever played. He looks behind him, he's got Virgil and Trent, who's a young player, but becoming, you know, developing into a leader. These guys, you know, Smith Rowe, Saka, Smith Rowe, I think I gave him like a four out of ten. He was he was pretty bad, but he was our, probably our best player. Who does he look around at and go, that's who I want to be? That's the, that's the senior players that I that I want to look at. Jack Wilshere in his interview talked about when he came to the team, he had Van Persie, he had Fabregas, he had, 
you know, Sanya, you know, these players who are top, top, top professionals who are, who are there. Who does Smith Rowe look at? Granite Xhaka? No chance. Yeah, and that's exactly why we need to be signing a couple of players in that mo- in that age bracket and mould. You know, you think, I, I'm not talking about for the money or for the quality of fucking Virgil van Dijk, but you, you can't tell me that for £50 million, we couldn't have gone out there and gotten a 26-year-old better version of Ben White that wasn't English. Yeah, maybe I don't disagree with that. I, From I, I, lots I... of different, you know, this, and I think to talk about the transfer business just for two seconds, this window has been the opportunity of a lifetime, right? Clubs around Europe have no money. This was the perfect time to go out and sell your players for cheap and upgrade on them because players are cheaper. So if you sell Granite Xhaka for 15 million and you bring in a Coop Miners from Alkmaar, or you bring in an Alwa from Leon for 25, 30, you've only got a 10 to 15 million outlay. As soon as the finances of football pick back up, those players' prices and the players around that quality of prices will go up and up and up to the point where we still can't sell Granite Xhaka for more than 20 million quid, but we now can't buy the players we truly need to improve and go forward. Yeah, I think that's the issue. Perfect opportunity, and we have wasted it on backups. Well, we've we've... We've put our eggs into a youth basket, and we put our eggs into a long-term plan basket. But if that but we're in, not we're not doing a Dortmund. But if that we're not no, no, short... you're saying about youth, but we're not playing. We're not playing. Ramsdale's not coming and taking the starting spot. Well, not yet. But hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. We've got Erdegaard, we've got Saka, we've got Smithrow, we've got Tierney. We've got, we've got a lot of young players. You know, Gabriel's 22, 23, Ben White, 23, 24. Just because they're not 19 doesn't mean it's a youthful thing. We've, we've, we're building a squad that is growing into itself, but that is a specific plan that has been explicitly said by the club. The, 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 then if you want to argue, you know, we shouldn't have gone down that road, be my guest. I think there's certain reasons we had to go down that road. And I think there's a certain value to it as well. But I don't think we can sit here and say we've made the wrong choices if we had complete, complete choice over, you know, or we, or we could have gone out and signed a 26-year-old, 100 million pound. We, we could have gone out and signed, you know, uh, Dale Meccano, but we didn't. It's like, well, we didn't have the choice. So we've had to go down a different, a different road. I, I really don't know if I agree with that because okay. you say Deo Upamakano but yeah, there's lots example, of players so, yeah, but there, there's in, we can't, no, no, we can't no, sign Grealish you, we can't sign Grealish no I know you do, but I'm, not, I'm not saying we should have signed Grealish the market we should have look, looked at was in the French the German and the Italian market clubs like Lille club, club, clubs like Sassuolo loads of different clubs that are faltering in their finances, clubs like Inter, clubs all over the places who are having a torrid time of it. And we should have sold Granit Xhaka for 15 million and gone to Lille and said, I'll give you 25 million for Renato Sanchez. We should have done that in as many positions as we could to just upgrade slightly on quality. I don't mind selling a 27-year-old Granit Xhaka and playing a 24-year-old Renato Sanchez and going the youth way. But we've bought youth to basically sit on our bench. And we've bought youth that is an unknown quantity and quality. You look at certain youth players or younger players around the world. Adrian Silva up front has gone to Leipzig for 24 million euros, right? And scored the most goals, um, like the second most or third most goals in the Bundesliga last season. Would Would have been an upgrade on Lacazette and we should have just shipped Lacazette. If we could, or like, this is, why is, Kala- why is Kalazanak's contract not been cancelled? He's not needed at the club. 
Probably because we can't afford it. We can't afford the payout. And that's the issue. It's like, you know, how how much are we restricted by the finances? And then the question comes back to why are we restricted by the finances? And it's the Cronkies. But then but then I imagine you'll say, well, we've got to work within that. So it, we're in a catch-22. And that's the, and that's the difficulty. That's really where we are. Um, the third goal, um, I, uh, the standing off from Callum Chambers, I, I can't understand it. Uh, Grealish cutting the it back. The near post as well. Yeah, Grealish Is cutting it, it back. It's the it's, one who it, cuts it back yeah. for Jesus. Yeah. Oh, how many times have I seen fucking balls in the six yard box that should be claimed by our goalkeeper somehow get tapped in somewhere else? Yep. Um, as I said earlier, I thought taking Abami off was, was an, an acceptance of defeat. Um, and then they were just, we were just there for the taking. They were just playing, they were just playing with their food, knocking it around. And I, as I say, I, I do think there are no better teams maybe in world football than City at breaking down a low block because they have unbelievable ball players who can who can make runs but we weren't tracking those runs we 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 simply weren't so there was be- there was more things we could have done but i think that's just an unbelievable amount of quality and you saw that and you know the Rodri finish is it's 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 an amazing finish and uh, is it it's, it's near post pretty much no he, it's a really good I finish i thought leno watch the, I th- watch the I, reverse i don't know i've not seen i've not seen a, cl- a like a close slow mo replay but from the from the replay i saw which is more of like a a landscape zoom view i'm like how in the world has that trickled its way in no, under it, leno no, 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 no it's not a trickle at all it's a really really good finish from rodri he started bends it from out if you watch the reverse angle um and the slow mo you see it go Firstly, Leno's unsighted, which Rodri knows. He hits it and he gets the curl on it. He gets the technique on it, and he, he it goes starts outside the post and creeps in. It's an unbelievable finish, and that's the quality that we have. And it just comes out of nowhere like that. Um, good save from Leno from Sterling in acre to space. Um, I actually, to, to be honest, I thought we were actually defending in the low block okay at times, but I mean we were four 0 down at that point. It literally doesn't matter. Um, and then Mario's is a great pick out for uh, Ferran. And the fans are urging Edison to shoot from behind the halfway line, and you know the runs are being picked out, and we just look, we look outclassed, and that is my word. It's out. It's it. We were outclassed, outmaneuvered, outthought. Yes, we've been outspent, but you know, we were outfought, and as I always say, that is free. So, hmm. where do we go from here? Actually, let's tell you what we'll do, Brad. We'll come back to that in part two. All righty, guys. We'll see you. After this. Oh, geez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, you can support us on Patreon and buy me a coffee. Links are in the show description. Please. God. Give us some happiness. Uh, Felix Sumba at Felix Sumba says the managed decline required a major overhaul with the owners taking the loss. 
which is what we've been talking about. The owners have to take the loss here. Instead, they want to spend more time and hope for natural exit of dross and growth of youth players. This won't work. Too many players who shouldn't be here. At Arsenal FC 1971 says, my concern is even if we go on to win the next few games, which I so hope we do always, we never seem to be able to put up a fight against City, Liverpool, etc. And I'm not convinced Arteta is able to change that. I know he has in the past, but it seems like a long time ago now. Um, and I agree with that. I think there's been, you know, when Arteta first came in, there was a real different uh, approach to those big games. And I think that's that's gone out the window and that's that's a real concern. One bit of news which we'll come to before we answer the big question uh, is Willian. Uh, supposedly reports coming out. Uh, I'm not sure 100% believe the Sky report about oh, him bullshit. taking this bullshit. The thing, but it looks like he's off to Corinthians. In fact, I think Fabrizio Romano said he he signed the deal, and here we go, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, William off the books, and uh, I don't think anyone should be celebrating that. <laughs> like, it's not a celebratory thing. It was, it was maybe, maybe one of the worst. Well, maybe top three, top two worst transfers in certainly my living memory. Um, really poor. Uh, and he's out, so we give the club credit for that, but we must not forget that that was bad, really bad. Okay, Bradley, where do we go from here? What do we do now? To the championship at this rate. Um, (laughs) No. uh, I think it's... For me, it's clear where we go from here. We can stat pad against Norwich and we can stat pad against Burnley, but it's not going to... I think a lot of people are are a bit deluded by going, oh, you know, it's just the first three games of the season and you've got two throwaway games in there and blah, 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 blah. As if we hadn't seen this all of last season. You know, even in the back end where we got the second most points from January, in some games we were shocking, creating nothing and getting one or two scrappy goals just to get us through. And I think the epitome of that is the fact that the reason Lacazette looks good in this system is because the fucker drops into midfield so can actually get a foothold on the ball because we can't get the ball to our striker. We just can't do it. I think Edu has to go completely now. Um, I think we're seeing more, we've seen more negatives than positives. I don't think I can give him real kind of shouting credit to any deal other than maybe Erdegaard. And even then, you'd had six months to try and convince Erdegaard to stay anyway. Uh, and then I do think Mikel has to go. I think he should go during the international break because it gives a new manager a couple of weeks with the players that haven't been called up to try and get a system in place um, to go up against Norwich and Burnley and hopefully pick up six points and then throw the ring in the hat for Tottenham. But... I feel no confidence in coming back from this international break and beating Norwich and Burnley. <laughs> and that is how I... And that is how... No, it's, it's not a joke. No, I, I know it's not a joke. That's why I'm laughing. That is how I know that it is time to change the manager. 
Because no matter what you want to say about players that he's had out, the man has a wealth of quality at his disposal. Saka was a star during the Euros. Smith Rowe, brilliant. You know, they're, they're, they are good enough to do more. The, this set of players is good enough to do more. And if I'd have seen more against City and I'd have seen more against Chelsea, I would be confident of Norwich and Burnley. But I'm not. And that is why I, it, should, it should be over. It should have been over that night. To, be, to have our pants pulled down that badly, we should have just moved on. And two, uh, two years ago on the 28th, Arsenal and Chelsea were both mid-table and met in the European uh, final, met in the Europa League final. Chelsea beat us. They then sacked Sarri and Lampard, appointed Tuchel, went on to win the Champions League and Premier League, uh, and are now what people are saying, Premier League contenders. And obviously, they've spent a vast amount of money in that time, probably near the 300 million mark. Arsenal sacked Emery, hired Arteta, have spent 220 million more than any club and have spent nine, and we're now 19th in the table. Unai Emery got 78 games as Arsenal boss and we sacked him after 20 defeats. Arteta has had 88 and has now lost 25. Emery drew 15, Arteta's drawn 16. He's not better. There's no progress. We've seen this. It is just not working damning yeah um okay what about you i think my well my overall feeling is there's one sometimes when something is so kind of is so big it can feel like you know it's like we can rearrange the furniture, but the Titanic's going down. Um, and I think the Titanic going down and the iceberg in this case is the Cronkies. We've seen the slow, steady decline of this great football club since their, they came into ownership of us. You know, we, you can literally plot it. You can plot the moment. Yeah. I think it was 2006 when uh, Stan Cronkie first got interested in Arsenal. And from 2004, we hadn't won a league title. Henri was still playing for us, etc. So we just moved to the Emirates. We were going to be competing with Barcelona and Bayern Munich and, you know, the big team in London, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and you've watched us decline. And I think this is the... I wrote a piece in for you on Arsenal. Um, this is the Nadir. This is the moment. And I'm not sure Arteta has the, the, the skill to get out of it. Um, I'm really not. And I... I think any fan who is not worried or not um or just blindly sort of trusting the process and thinking you know you you are deluded <laughs> like you really are this is this is woeful for Arsenal like I mean you know Arsenal have lost their opening three league matches for the first time since 1954-55 I think we are number 7 on the worst opening three matches of the top flight ever so we are at an absolute rock bottom. It's what I said. We've at, never what, not scored it's in what, our first three games. It's what I said at the beginning of the podcast. We are at an absolute rock bottom. So then where do we go? And the reason I mentioned the Cronkies is I don't think anything changes properly. We may get lucky with a good manager. We may, Arteta may come good. We may, whatever. 
But until the Cronkies want to invest at the level that is required to compete at the top, top level now, we will not get much better. But to get us further up the up the table to say where I think our capacity at the moment is, is probably like a fifth or a sixth with no European football, is the man Arteta. As I say, I don't know. But what I will say is I want to see Arteta given three to four games. As I've always said, I think I said last season, I think I said at the beginning of the season when he lost the first game, I'm saying now, I want to see him with a full strength team, have a bit of a run up with Norwich and Burnley and a couple of clubs. And if, if, if the, if the playing style doesn't change, if the results don't come, you know, unless, unless we have to field an entire team of under 23s, I think we've the excuses have got to go because you know I I sit on this podcast and I understand and and I and I completely accept that I've made a lot of excuses for Arteta because I like it I lo- I love the idea of a former player coming in you know uh, working under a, a genius one of the all time great managers you know being his protege coming into Arsenal revolutionizing re- revolutionizing the way we work I get it I have that bias and I have to accept that I'd love this to work. And I completely, completely understand anyone listening to this podcast. I completely listen to understand you, Brad, wanting him to go. Like I get that, and I don't. I actually fair play. Do you know what I mean? But from my perspective as a fan, I have to say I I I am praying <laughs> this works, and I think there are a couple more scrapes of the barrel before we have to decide that barrel is a dud. Um, and I think that. That is the next couple of games. And um, if, if results aren't coming from there, if we stay on this trajectory, if we don't improve, he has to go. He has to go. Because, yeah. and then and then I think there is a, a real fork in the road of where Arsenal Football Club go. I think there is some promise in the future, but again, promise means nothing. You know, you look back at that that picture of Jenkinson, Gibbs, Chamberlain, Ramsey and Wilshire. You know, where do those where do those guys you know bring us? You know, we can't rely on youth, we can't project into the future that much. So there's a real question mark mm-hmm. over Arsenal, right? But I think there is a little bit left in Arteta, but it's like <laughs> have you seen the uh, the scene in Breaking Bad um where have you did you watch it in the end? This is a podcast throwback. Uh, um, no. There's a scene yet, there's no. a scene in Breaking Bad where Jesse and 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 uh, Walt drive out into the like the outback uh, to cook meth, and they they lose power. Basically, they've 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 been using the power from the from the car engine to to cook the meth, and they realise they've flattened the battery, and they keep going. They keep trying with this generator. They keep going round, and they're losing water. They're losing. They're they're slipping down the table. They're you know they're losing. You know they've run out of skips to eat or whatever it is, and they keep going and they keep going and they keep going, and finally, finally. They do one last big push and the generator starts and it goes. Now, we are at the point where I don't think it's likely that that happens. I don't think it's likely that Arteta turns it around from here. If he turns it around from here, like, oh my God, like, what the fuck? We have a generational manager on our hands. That is less likely than Arteta's not being ready for the job, et cetera, et cetera, and all the things we've discussed. I just want to give him a couple more games to ensure that he's been given every last opportunity because I want him to and I understand other people not wanting him to. And then I say, I think Arteta has to go and then I think we need a real serious look at where we are as a club, who we are as a club. And with the Qatari investment potentially coming in, 
the state of English football, and you know that you know that's a whole other conversation. Do state we want of English football's been dead for years? Well, mate. well, listen, state literally state owned in football, yeah. whatever. So that's a whole other, another conversation. Let's not have that. But but that will be part of the conversation. What kind of owners do we want? Who do we want running this football club? Who, you know, what are Arsenal values? Where do we want to go? Um, and that will be a huge question for the fan base to ask themselves and for everyone to to look at because that is that's the existential question. It really is. Yeah, I, I just think off of the back of what you say, you know, you mentioned the fact that you said this last season. It's it's Groundhog Day. Only so many times you should ask, you should be asking yourself or saying the same things and asking yourself the same questions. We said, you know, it needs to be get, given a few more games. But I do not want this man to dig himself out of jail against Norwich and Burnley. No, and, and neither do I. It's, I want him to turn yeah. the, turn the team around. I want him to get results against Spurs and City and United. But I want him yeah. to be given a few we more We sacked games. Emery too late. We didn't move on from the Wenger era early enough. This is the third time we're making the same mistake. We will miss out. And I, Look, I've tweeted this out a few times. Call me mental. I do not want Antonio Conte at this club. I think it would be the most... I, I mean, I think that's a bit strong. I think he'd do an all right job. But he's the kind of person that needs the quality in place, is given a couple of hundred million over two to three seasons to really have an impact. Yeah, he won't come here. We need to go for somebody like a Potter. Because exactly what happened with Emery and Rodgers will happen with Potter. We sacked Emery too late. Rodgers went to Leicester and we were fucked. We're going to sack Arteta too late. Potter's going to go somewhere else and we'll be fucked. Because we are, and you talk about scraping the bottom of barrels. We're already scraping the bottom of the barrel as to who's still available as manager. We don't have a lot more time to make these decisions. And we're going to have to go and give Brighton probably another £30 million for their manager. Or whoever we end up going for. I, I, I I respect your point of view. And I, do you know Excellent. what? I admire your I, no, no, no. And I admire your faith in. And I understand what you mean because I don't know if you remember, but right at the beginning of this podcast, when we first started, I was saying stuff like, "I think he'll win a Champions League in his career, even if it's not with us; it'll be with someone else." I rated Mikel so highly. I just think so much time has passed now, where we've seen the same things that. There is only so many times I can see no progress and I can see nothing and go, well, it might come because that leads us nowhere in the same way that the Cronkies are leading us nowhere. And like you say, our ceiling under the Cronkies will be occasionally getting Champions League football, but never meaningfully doing anything in the league or the Champions League. We'll never win the Champions League and we'll never win the Premier League without without Qatari investment, without oil money investment, any fan of this sport that thinks that that is not what is required nowadays is a fucking idiot. Look at who is running these teams. Look at who is, look at who owns these teams. Without that level of investment and money, no club is breaking that top four. No club is winning the Premier League other than the ones that already have. You thought the Super League was the problem. The Super League was just the other league's answer to Qatari to Saudi investment we 
need to obviously get the owners out and get somebody in who's willing to pump in the hundreds of million necessary to get the club, you know, winning again. But one thing we do need is we need a manager who is able to work with what he has, because I think that's exactly what Thomas Tuchel's doing. Chelsea might be, for me, the 10th, the 8th best squad in, in, in the world right now, right? But they won this Champions League because they have a manager who comes up with systems and gets his players to believe in them that gets the most out of them. We don't have that. I agree. I, I Right now, I agree. I, I, all I would say is I think the faith that I've had is is, is wearing down and the faith that I believe Arteta could turn into that because let's be clear, he, it's a potential thing. But ultimately, we've got to win football matches. Um, and if he doesn't win the next couple, yeah, he's gone. Brad, what are you... So, wait, wait, wait. Norwich, Burnley, Tottenham. What is your acceptable level of results? So, I mean, and like, uh, unless... No, no context. No, no, no. No context. No, what do you mean no context? So if the I stadium to, blows up, we're just not going to counter, we're an we? hour. We're an hour and three minutes in. <laughs> you want the hot take? Just, I no. literally just want, what, what, uh, what, what is your acceptable level of point haul from the next three games? No, if this player's back, this player's back. Just uh, give me a number out of nine. Well, I'm not going to play your game of this and if, if this player's back or if this player's back. So I will play my own game, which is... Genuinely, if like a couple of players out, it literally doesn't matter. If if COVID ravages the squad and da, 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 then we'll talk about it. But if the like, games will get postponed, mate. Exactly. So let's be realistic. Okay, but I'm saying I'm saying unless freak accidents or I don't know. If Stan Kroenke starts shitting gold all over the yeah. Arsenal football pitch and we buy yeah, well, that, Harland like and say, Messi. Say we signed Harland tomorrow, the context changes. That's what I mean. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, so not... no, I'm not saying we're going to. Brad, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Give me a fucking number, then we can end this shit. So we're... <laughs> uh, we've got to beat Norwich. If we don't, it's like next game or nothing. And then if we don't beat Burnley, uh, that's it for me. I think if we beat... If what we, if we draw both? If we draw both, I'd give him... Like, it's it's per game at this point. <laughs> As in, as in, if we lose the next game, he's gone. Like that levels of you know, or draw it, he's probably gone as yeah. well. Like that, that we're 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 into. You have a couple more chances. <laughs> like that's it. He's got it's it's got to be nine for nine, for me. He's got to win the next three games. I think I think for example, if we if we beat Norwich, beat Burnley, and drew, but really positively drew with Spurs, I think okay, give him a couple more games. But but what I'm saying is unless right. we're unless we're convincing and the thing is actually what I'm looking for more to be honest is performance. If we absolutely spank all those teams and get like a, a draw and two uh, two draws and a win, I'd be okay about that. Even if it's not exactly what I want, I just want to see an upturn in performances, and that's not what we're seeing. And with performances come results. Um, but yeah, Brad, we just yes, we'll see. Okay, we've just got time. <sighs> For a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Founded as Arsenal Ladies FC. No, I did this last time. No, who founded Arsenal Ladies FC in 1987? Oh God, was it Vic Akers? It was Vic Akers. It was, wasn't it? Did you you look that up? No. 
Yeah, you did. <laughs> Your face. Yeah, I you literally did. didn't. Yeah, you did. Uh, no, no, no. It, uh, the only reason I knew is it popped up on my Twitter because <laughs> it was his birthday, wasn't it, or something recently? Yeah, right. Uh, Google when his birthday was. Google when his birthday was right now. I'm not bullshitting. Let's Vic, Vic Acres. I almost called it. I almost called him Ken Acres. Yeah, the 24th of August. It was like five days ago. It popped up on my Twitter. Okay. Okay. Uh, the first... E- <laughs> I'm getting two middle fingers from Brad. That's nice. Uh, the first ever... Do you really think I'd remember? Well, I thought I thought we might have looked it up. I don't know. That's probably what I'd do. I mate. If, you, calendar, if, we did, if we did this the other way around... Yeah, I think I've said this before. You know Brad does not have a calendar. How do you function? Like a regular human being? Uh, sorry. Everyone, I would say everyone listening to this probably has a calendar or a diary. Don't call me a non-regular human being for having a calendar. I'm rattled. You're so triggered, Alex. I, You're rattled. Listeners, tweet me. So at Diffnock, you have a calendar, right? If you've got this far, just come on. You've, it's worth it. You must have a calendar, right? Are you genuinely nah. saying people, normal people don't have calendars and diaries? Nah, to be fair, I think everyone but me has a calendar and diary. He's trying to trigger me. Uh, the question for next time is, the first ever Premiership goal came from who in August 1992? The first ever Premiership goal, as Graham Sooner still calls it on Sky. Premiership goal came from in 19... 19- oh, fuck. Why did you... I'll cut that out. <laughs> uh, well, listeners, Alex just said the answer, so I now know it for no. next week. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask you how you know it. Um, uh, the, the first ever Premiership goal came from who in 1992? Okay, Brad. Okay, mate. It was... I feel like that was cathartic. Yeah, it was cathartic. And, I, you know, I feel... We go again. Yeah. And listen, hey, either way, <laughs> interesting times ahead. Genuinely interesting times ahead. We've reached we've reached the nadir. Like here we are and we've reached the impasse. And yeah. something's got to change and some I think this is the end of something. So change is coming. And that's exciting regardless because change is when when you're bottom of the league, <laughs> change is good. Oh, I can't believe we're bottom of the league. Right. Pleasure as always, even when we disagree, Ooh. Brad. Even more when we disagree, because oh, yes. I get to learn from the best. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Arteta isn't that good. Right. Pleasure as always, Brad. See you soon, mate. Pleasure, mate. See ya. See Thanks so much for listening. Keep it Bye. different, Knock, and we'll see you later. Peace. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.